Hello and welcome to this episode of Irreligiosity 2.0, the One True Podcast. Matt, and the only podcast to discuss Bill and Ted's excellent adventure, the story of God, and Republican primary politics all in the same goddamn episode. All in the same episode. What do you think about that? I think that's awesome. No, I think that's excellent. I think Wait, it's that might be Wayne's world. <laughs> clear and convincing evidence that we are the one true podcast. Well, of course we're the one true podcast. What else do you No, need? no subject is off limits, Matt. We're not afraid of the truth here. I'm a little afraid. I'm a little afraid of it. Okay, I'm not afraid. I can't handle it though. Matt, before we get into the meat of the podcast, how about how about iTunes reviews? We haven't done any iTunes reviews in a long time. Oh shit, yeah. I, I forgot we even got those. <laughs> How about I'm glad Chuck is back? Five stars by Roy the Snake. That sounds like a good. We don't want to hear that one. Uh, these guys are really right. entertaining, informative, and engaging. I get a charge whenever I see a new episode hit my phone. Thankfully, that's been more often now that the show is not solely in Matt's hands. <sighs> oh, oh! Remember that break we oh. took, and Matt was supposed to do like a fucking weekly podcast, and. Fill it with uh, the sound of his amazing voice and hardcore <laughs> research. <laughs> and it just turned out being a big fat fucking gap. You guys remember that? No, no. No, no. I did research. I recorded shit. Chuck just won't release it. It's in the secret <laughs> irreligiosity vaults. He won't true. let it out. That's true. It's he too, sent it to amazing. me and I've hidden it up in my vault. <laughs> It's, to be yeah. opened in the event it, of my death. It's been released to all the people who've donated to the Patreon account. I got a review. Five yeah. stars by Dagobah Dave. I look forward to burning in hell with these frauds. Longtime listener Andrea Johnson. Andre, Andrea? 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 Who I'm trying to get mentioned on the show for at least the third time. Hey, he just got her mentioned. Wait a second. In all iterations of her name. I remember... I remember her messaging me one time, like, while I was recording the podcast. So that got her a mention on the show. Oh, it did? Well, here's another mention. I can't remember the first time. When was the first time we mentioned Andrea Johnson? Uh, I can't remember the last time we mentioned Andrea Johnson. Hey, Chuck, have you heard about Andrea Johnson? Uh, at least three times. <laughs> oh, my God, a sad Andrew state. Andrea Johnson, what? Hold on, I'm not done. <laughs> Sorry. I'm not done. This is the best review I've ever read in my, my life. My apologies. Andrew Johnson kept mentioning this podcast to me for about a year until I gave it a listen. Bam! Instant atheist. Blah, 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 blah. Seriously, host extraordinaire Matt Wakefield says some funny stuff. What the fuck? The end. <laughs> I'm not even mentioned uh, in there. Andrea Johnson gets a mention. Uh, actually, he did. I just remember. He said, the other guy just recommends that you get circumcised. <laughs> Andrea Johnson gets a mention. <laughs> Matt Wakefield gets to mention as host extraordinaire, and I, I'm not mentioned at all. Oh, God. Not at all. Nothing. Nothing for that Chuck. Was, that was painful. Uh, all right, you have one. Uh, can now I you on may now? speak. A Sad State, one star by Chief 108. I find it sad that this production's purpose is to attack the faith of others. <laughs> that is really sad, isn't it? That is sad. I suppose this production's purpose is to attack the faith of others. But I'm going to say this. I guess it is. If you have faith instead of knowledge, don't you deserve to be attacked? <laughs> uh, the answer is yes. Yes, you do. Uh, I find it sad that Chief 108 
listens to our podcast <laughs> instead of, I don't know, going to church or whatever Chief 108 likes to do. Yeah, don't you have the rest of the Lamanites to convert? Get on it. Uh, there's some good reviews of me in, the, in here, Chuck. Chuck, there's good stuff. And there's also bad stuff. Let's move on. Good reviews of bad are my least favorite reviews. Uh, well, my favorite podcast, five stars by Barn Jammer. My initial interest in this podcast was in hearing the strange, fascinating history of the Church of LDS from the perspective of two actual Exmos. That's right. This this podcast used to be run by two actual Exmos. Years later, oh, that's right. Layton introduced Chuck's current co-host Matt as quote dumber than he was. Au contraire, Matt obviously ah. adds research and reads the material. I don't know about that. I'm not sure about either of those. While Layton usually faked his way through, not to knock Layton, he was very entertaining, and Chuck provided all the info meat I needed in an episode. Oh, that's disgusting. Info meat? But when Irreligiosity 1.0 closed down, I was almost as sad as a young Kent Hovind. When Irreligiosity 2.0 fired up, I wasn't sure if Chuck and Matt could live up to those glory days, but I will say I now replay either incarnation with similar frequency. Matt has truly taken to the task and earned the title of co-host. Wow. Hey. Wow. Hey. Hey, he likes my Donald Trump impression. (laughs) I do the best Donald Trump impression. It's true. (laughs) Great Donald Trump impression. Kudos. Wow. (laughs) Two compliments in a row. Uh, I hate you, Barney. Keep going. I hate you. (laughs) I love you. Well, shall we move on? That's as much uh, puffing up as I can take today. Yeah, my um, chest is sticking out. Can we have more reviews? Pass my microphone. We have more reviews making fun of Matt, please. I'm going to put out a request. <laughs> no. Oh, come on. Well, Matt, uh, should we get on to the meat of the podcast? No. Hell Let's no. Get on the skunk dicks. We got skunk dicks. That's correct. <laughs> skunk dicks. What do you got? I got. Um, hey, Chuck. You know those pieces of shit that like to capitalize on recent tragedies? Matt, you're going to have to narrow that one down. <laughs> All right. Hey, guess what? Kevin Swanson is one such piece of shit. He's a Christian pastor. No surprise there. The recent tragedy is the uh, uh, the attacks in Paris, specifically the concert uh, where he's blaming that the people inside were slaughtered because they were devil worshippers. Matt, in a stunning turn of events, my skunk dick is also a pastor who also blames the victims what? of the Paris terrorist attacks, but this time, not because they're Satan worshippers, but they're death worshippers. Oh, they're he says, you know, you're worshiping death, and then all of a sudden, people start dying. And that's what happens. You worship love, all of a sudden, ah. people start loving. You worship death, people start dying. That's what happens. It's their fault. Well, Swanson says that he noted that the band that was playing, the Eagles of Death Metal, which, by the way, is not a death metal band. Matt, it's in the name. <laughs> the Eagles the name. of Death Metal. They're closer to the Eagles than they are to death metal. The Eagles of soft 70s rock. <laughs> um, he said, it's a warning. Uh, they were playing the song Kiss the Devil. It's a warning. There's a, certainly a providential irony here. They went from singing about the devil to meeting the devil face to face. Somehow, um, according to Kevin Swanson, both the concert goers and the attackers were devil worshippers. <laughs> oh yeah well anderson had this to say well you love death so much you bought the ticket you love worshiping satan well let's have some of satan's religion come in and shoot you oh my God. i mean that's what these people should think about before they go into such a wicked concert 
I guess they're actually agreeing with each other. They're not really arguing. I think so. I think so because Kevin Anderson added, I think we need to ask the concert goers, at least those who survived. I'm just going to pause there for a second. That he said he thinks we need to ask the concert goers, at least those who survived. Did you love the devil? Did you love the devil's works as your friends were being shot up in the massacre? That's what he would like to ask. That's the question. Remember when the chaplain, like the atheist chaplain, was supposedly going to ask the question, you know, like, you got, (laughs) there's nothing to look forward to when you're dying. (laughs) It was no comfort whatsoever. So this this caring, compassionate Christian pastor would ask uh, people who are survivors of a terrorist attack on a uh, satire of a death metal band why they worship Satan so much. Right. Uh, Kevin, he also added, I'm deadly serious. You're dancing to this worship service, to the devil. The devil came in. The devil did what the devil does best. He killed, he massacred, he destroyed. I, I don't get this Kevin Swanson guy. Is he, he's saying they're worshiping the devil, and then the devil comes in and kills them for worshiping him because that's what the devil does. That's not going to get you worshippers. Matt, that same thing happened during every role-playing game I ever played. <laughs> that does, makes showed, no sense, Just Chuck. showed up and started killing everybody. Look, Kevin Swanson also says questioning him is like questioning God himself. So shut the fuck up. Oh, everybody. well, you can't do that on either score. <laughs> no. Oh, yeah, Matt? No. In the past, yeah? Anderson has called for all the homos in America to be executed by the government, for President Obama to be murdered, for Caitlyn Jenner's heart to be ripped from his chest... And for all gay pedophiles to die of brain cancer. So. Well, the pedophiles can die, I guess, but. <laughs> everything else no, there was pretty. Just the gay was pedophiles. For. Just the gay pedophiles. Oh, just the gay ones. Yeah. <laughs> Look, if you're going to be a pedophile. You got to be straight. You got to be straight. According to Steven Anderson. Uh, so I'm not sure who out the other. Which Christian pastor out the other on this one? <laughs> we got we got to have one of those uh, one of those uh, one of those boards where they have all the teams and they're like fighting. <laughs> I don't play sports, okay? That, I don't get sports. That is a truly impressive amount of uh, assholishness and skunk dickery. That is. That is coming from Life. two. Two Christian paths, pastors who, by the way, both preach the one true religion. Yes. Which apparently is anti-gay. I don't know. It's all about compassion. Yeah. I believe. Um, it's like they heard of Kim Davis and were like, we're not going to make skunk dick of the year at this rate. <laughs> we got to step up our game. We got to step it up. All right. Uh, uh, that brings me to our final skunk dick candidate. And uh, really, it's the Iranian judiciary yeah now let me tell you this story okay there is a iranian uh football league i guess it's it's called uh it's kind of like soccer but it's a it's it's called futsal or maybe futsal futsal it is described as a fast-paced version of soccer played indoors with six players on each side now uh it's all female and apparently iran's team's very good uh but they're one of their star players missed the like championship games in Asia in September because her husband, sports journalist Mahdi Tutunchi, enforced the right given to him by Islamic Sharia law to prevent her from traveling. So if you don't have your husband's permission, you can't travel. That, well, just, that seems right. standing up for his rights, Chuck. That seems right to me. It's his rights. She needs her husband's permission to go play soccer in Asia. Oh, yeah. 
Now, they still they won their game, but uh, this time they were supposed to go to Guatemala for the 2015 Futsal World Cup event. Uh, and uh, he still refused to give her permission to leave the country. But this time, okay. Matt, Iranian judicial authorities overruled her husband's wishes and granted what? this woman, whose what? nickname is Lady Goal, a single exit visa. Lady Goal or Lady Goal? Lady Goal. Lady Goal Goal. No. Nilofar Ardalan, who, after problems with her husband, missed the Asian Championship game matches. <laughs> I gotta say problems with her husband. <laughs> <laughs> Who after problems with their husband? It was a mutual argument, you know. They're just having some sort of yeah, domestic yeah. squabble. Domestic Actually, argument. The, the, the sentence should read, Nilifor Otterlan, whose husband is a complete and utter asshole, <laughs> because of her asshole husband, missed the Asian Championship matches. Uh, she left the country without gaining his consent, the judiciary said on its news website. So... Uh, even though she did not gain his consent, the uh, Iranian judiciary overruled Sharia law and allowed this one exception. I, I would recommend to Nilofar uh, to not uh, avail herself of the return ticket on that exit visa. Yeah, you might just want to stay there. Although Guatemala? So uh, that's... Still better than Iran. That's yes. Sharia law, Matt. That, uh, you know, you want to leave the country to go play soccer, you need your husband's permission. And well, you know, this you know judicial what's funny, tyranny, yeah. these unelected judges unilaterally Seriously. overrule Sharia law. Where's where's the cries of judicial tyranny yeah. now? Yeah. How about it, Mike Huckabee, Ted Cruz? I think it's just another example of uh, sports overshadowing everything. <laughs> the true. Even the courts. The true Look, religion. Football is so crazy in the Middle East that even the courts will side with any form of... Of kicking a ball over Sharia law. <laughs> even even Islam comes second to football. <laughs> Islam comes second to football. Oh, <laughs> crazy about it. Uh, so those are the skunk dicks, Matt. Uh, the two idiot uh, pastors who, who apparently still believe Satan worshiping is, is yeah. rampant across the world. Uh, and believe that there's an actual Satan who, if you yes. dance to some music, comes up and murders everybody. Yes. And that those people then deserve it. <laughs> well, if you're going to dance to death metal, yeah, you got to expect Satan to make a personal appearance. Uh, so and, stick it in the meth lab, Chuck. See who wins. And then the judiciary. Oh, well, yeah. well, what's your vote? I'm going to vote for. Oh, we uh, have voted. I'm voting for the Iranian judiciary. That's absolutely judicial mm. tyranny. I'm not a fan of sports ball, so I'm going to vote for the Pastor Twins. You're going to vote for the Pastor Twins over the unelected men in black robes. That's right. Ooh, black robes. Oh, that does make it tantalizing. Nope, going with the twins. All right, we'll feed that in. Uh, Matt, uh, no. Yeah. Um, actually, ne neither of those uh, won what? the Skunk Dick of the Week. Uh, the actual winner is a Christian homeschooler who was found guilty for locking a girl in a chicken coop and punishing her with a shock collar. Oh, my God. God, that's what passes for homeschooling with Christians. Georgia mother was found guilty this week on 28 counts related to child abuse, uh, including forcing her adopted daughter to go days without water and putting a gun to the girl's head. Oh this is God. this is Christianity, Matt. Christianity. Oh, right. You can do anything if you're a good Christian. God's on your side. 
Yeah, I think that's one of the commandments, right? Is, uh, you know, honor thy father and mother, even if they be adopted or face the chicken coop and shuck color. Yeah, the, the girl said that Franklin homeschooled her and sometimes took her to Civil War reenact. I'm not sure what's worse. Oh, oh no. Br- can I adopt this girl? Can I, can I, can I take her away from that? The brutal punishments, the water restrictions, or taking her to Civil War reenactments. Oh, Horrific. The, the, yeah, like, which is the worst? Oh, Horrific. I mean, not having water, but Civil War reenactments. <sighs> That's a tough Only call. In the, what the fuck is with Civil War? What? Who does that? <laughs> Remember that war we lost? Who takes? We were fighting so we could have slaves. <laughs> Who takes? Let's go replay that. An innocent over over. girl to witness a Civil War reenactment. So, yeah, Matt, uh, she had a small caliber pistol and uh, put it to the 15-year-old girl's head after she threatened to run away. Why, I can't imagine. Why you'd threaten to run away from Yeah, no. This I don't know home. why. And then she wrote in a journal later that God had stopped her from doing something, quote, stupid. Yeah, what? So <laughs> which, which, which thing did yeah, she stop her from? I love how God steps in to prevent her death, but uh, he's cool with the chicken coop and the shock collar and the Civil War yeah. reenactment. yeah. God, there was a there's a lot of other stupid stuff. You should have stopped before that. Girl told the court she would be tied to a tree and punished with a shock collar designed for dogs if she ate her food too quickly. <sighs> this story is, is killing me. Oh, God, I can't read anymore. Uh, it breaks my heart to know that there are kids out there. I thought I had a tough childhood because I had to go to church on Sundays. Oh, boo-hoo me. Because I had to sit through that boring Matt, history. you could have been uh, taken against your will to a Civil War reenactment. Uh, that that that's child that's nothing less than child abuse in my opinion. <laughs> she was guilty found guilty on all 28 charges uh which included 19 counts of first degree cruelty to children and eight counts of false imprisonment uh also guilty on one count of aggravated assault faces a maximum penalty of 480 years in prison now man isn't there something about a millstone uh being tied around Someone's neck, you'd rather have a millstone and throw yourself in the ocean than bring uh, harm or suffering to one of the little children. Yes. Isn't that right uh, in the fucking Bible? I think this woman's course is clear. God, I don't... That was terrible. That is horrible. A horrible story. Well, I mean, the only good thing to come out of that is that this kid's kid's getting away from her now, right? I mean, she's going to jail. On that uh, bright and cheerful note... Should we get to the meat of the podcast? Let, yeah, let's get to it quick. So we have here with us Chris Matheson, who uh, we have him here because he's written the story of God, but uh, he's also written Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure, so we got to talk about that. Welcome, Chris Matheson. Now, didn't we have a Governor Matheson here in Utah? Are you related? Um, no, but <laughs> no. I'm not. I wish I was. Uh, Rel- related to a Chris- Utah governor is... <laughs> Is the top social tier you can aspire to. <laughs> Chris Matheson actually uh, wrote Bill and Ted. Now, I know Matt's a big fan. I am a big fan. Bill and Ted's excellent adventure. I'm still angry because I believe Chris Matheson is personally responsible for launching Keanu Reeves' career. <laughs> You're not happy about that, huh? I am not happy about that. Although, uh, he did, I think he, his best role was in a little horror movie called The Gift. Have you seen that? Uh, not the reason. Oh, the Sam Raimi movie. Yeah, right? there was one yeah. about the year two thousand. He oh, played, his best role was in Bill and Ted's Excellent. A great <laughs> redneck in that show. Although he did actually really 
He probably, I thought I was afraid he's going to typecast himself in Bill and Ted's because he did that so well. Uh, yeah, no, he very much didn't, you know, he steered away from that for sure. Where did that, where did that movie come from? Bill and Ted? Yeah. yeah. Uh, well, gosh. I'm, Cause I'm just curious about the whole writing process. I mean, is that literally like you just have that idea one day and you're just like, yeah, because hey, I've we've got, this got idea. a lot of ideas, but we can't ever get them to the movie stage. No. <laughs> um, Bill and Ted came about because uh, Ed Solomon and I, who were college friends, just, we hung around a lot and we laughed a lot and we just sort of goofed around and, and, um, we started doing improv with some friends, not for an audience, just to sort of get together and play around with ideas. And one night the suggestion was two teenage boys talking about world affairs. And, uh, it was me and Ed and I said, how's it going, Bill? And he said, how's it going, Ted? And we just started talking as Bill and Ted and, and, we, and we pretty <laughs> quickly found them funny and enjoyable. And we went out for coffee after we after we were done that night, we went out and for a couple hours, we just sort of talked as Bill and Ted and kind of figuring out, you know, the Missy and Deacon and Captain Logan and just all their background, you know, their whole right. story, who they were, what, what, what their deal was. And we just liked them. They were really fun. And, and for a year, we just kind of played around with, we didn't do any movie stuff with them. We would just write letters back and forth and we would call each other on the phone and talk as Bill and Ted. And, <clears throat> and eventually I think we, we want to, we thought, well, why don't we put them in a movie? And that's when the time travel idea came in because then the question was, well, what's the right story to put right. these guys in? And it seemed ridiculous to have them kind of bouncing around time. And, um, so once we, we had the character, we knew the characters very, very well by that point. I mean, they, we just felt them. And so the, once we had the idea, then it came together very, very quickly. I mean, it's an interesting way to write because when you know the characters that well, yeah. it's very, very easy to write a movie because you're just almost on some level like transcribing because you hear them. Yeah, I hate I hate to use this word, but it sounds like almost like a an organic process that <laughs> that you came through with these Matt, characters. Did that come from your uh, film <laughs> studies in uh, college? Yes. Question. Yes. My, Directly my from one film major. Look, I took one film studies class. Okay, I think I know what I'm talking about. <laughs> well, it was it, it actually was pretty organic. I mean, of all the movies I've ever written, that probably was the most organic kind of process because if there was no intention to write a movie it was just let's just have fun with these characters so that by the time we sat down to put them in a movie we knew them you were i'd recommend it to others actually i mean it's yeah. like you, you it's a it's a strange process but it it actually works well because movie comedy in particular is just all about characters did you grow up in southern california i did okay see that's where i grew up and you know as somebody from that area I mean, they're over the top, but they also seem authentic to me. Uh, well, they were they were kind of um, guys that we both knew. Um, I mean, ultimately, on some level, they're us because good characters have to be. You, you can yeah. only, in the end, really truthfully write yourselves. But they also reminded us of guys that we grew up around. Ed grew up more in Northern California, and I grew up in Southern California, but I think they were kind of the same. Did you also write the sequel? We did, uh, yeah. Okay. So who was responsible for the song at the end, like the big song they come through at the very end of the movie. Who was responsible for, you mean, who, who is that playing it? No, no, it's, well. Who wrote it? Yeah, who, who, who where'd who that song that? come from? Like, who put that in there? Because that song, that's a striper song, isn't it? 
God gave rock kid. and roll to you? I always thought it was Kiss. Oh, is it Kiss? I it's probably it's, Kiss. I think it's Kiss, probably but, not I'm, that creative. but I'm not totally sure. It, well, it was not us, that's for sure. I mean, it, we, we just would have written, you know, they play an amazing song. The specific nature of that song was more a production kind of thing. Yeah. It's kind of it like was, the Jack Black song, right? The best song in the world. Yeah. <laughs> this is God gave song. rock and roll. To <laughs> yeah. Was uh, like, what I liked about uh, Bill and Ted was how little religion actually was in it. Because you have time travel stuff like Quantum Leap, I think, uh, at the time, was uh, really kind of heavily, had heavy religious overtones, but not Bill and Ted. Why was that? Huh. Yeah, because they go back for like Socrates, but they don't go back and get like Jesus. Yeah. Or, you know, how come they didn't save Jesus from the cross? Why was that? <laughs> <laughs> Boy, they, yeah, you know, that is the question. Why didn't Bill and Ted save Jesus from the cross, <laughs> given that they could time travel? And that's what that's what they should have done. Dude, we need to get Jesus off the cross. I totally agree. Yeah. Let's go. That would have <laughs> made a better paper, don't you? Oh, man, that's like very heroic thing to do, you know? Yeah. Yeah, talking to their teacher, we here's Jesus. We saved him from the cross. <laughs> yeah, much better. Much better. We just simply that's, didn't think of it. I don't know why it's three. That's a, that's another sequel, I think. <laughs> that three. isn't it. That is that is the yeah, Bill and Ted yeah. Part Three, saving Jesus from the cross and then becoming his <laughs> disciples and traveling. You know, he didn't have the ability to travel all through time, but imagine how mighty he could be if he could travel all through time talking to oh, people. Oh, yeah. <laughs> be fantastic. Dude, Jesus is saving more souls than ever, thanks to us. It's an excellent comedy. Wait, we could uh, run him for president. I think there are a couple openings right now. Yeah, no, it's a suit. Jesus for president, yeah. Yeah, the funny thing is, all you know, all those people who love him so much, I don't think they'd like him so much yeah. if they actually heard what his... Uh, you know what what his uh, platform was. I don't they think they actually dig cracked open their New Testament. You think? <laughs> yeah, no, I, don't, I doubt it. I doubt it. Not often. So the uh, neglect of religion in there wasn't intentional. <clears throat> well, it wasn't conscious. You know, it wasn't like let's go around religion. And you know, and in the sequel, they do go to heaven and hell. So there's that. It's not really explicitly like religious, although maybe it is. Maybe heaven and hell are explicitly religious. I guess they kind of are, depending on how you look at it. Um, no, it wasn't like, let's not have them. I guess you could say Joan of Arc's kind of a quasi-religious figure. I, I don't know. We just sort of kind of had a list of, we would just kind of pick names and just think, who would it be really, really funny for them to pick up? And what's the craziest mix of people right. that you can pick up? What seems absurd? to us i can't believe jesus did not make that he didn't make the cut <laughs> I, i'm feeling really bad about it you know i'm feeling really bad Dude, no but in the, in we the totally sequel, forgot about jesus <laughs> in the sequel where uh you had uh you had death in there right was that yeah, was in part two yeah yeah, that, yeah no, was that inspired by bergman probably from the, i mean it's a very it, yeah sure i mean it's 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 uh very seventh sealy you know yeah that's the them, movie. i mean uh, playing chess with death and so <laughs> right. we thought well let's have them play battleship with death or electric football <laughs> right. or clue you know just really ludicrous games to play with death and then have death be very very bad at all of these games and a very bad sport right <laughs> But so, so the Bill and Ted movies aren't actually why, although they're very interesting, they're not why we had you on today. Uh, the, the reason we got you on today is because of a book called The Story of God. Do you want to introduce that a little bit? Tell us what it's about. 
Um, the story of God, I, I guess you could describe as kind of a, a comedic rewrite of the Bible told pretty much from God's point of view, I, I think is how I would characterize it. It's very interesting. And I kind of want to, before I discuss the book, I kind of want to go into your religious background. Sure. What, what are you? Yeah. Well, <laughs> I, what do you identify as? <laughs> um, not really much Sorry. of anything. You know, I grew up, uh, it's not a religious family. I literally never set foot in a church until I was probably in my mid to late 20s. I mean, literally, I'd never set foot in a church or, or a mosque or a temple or, or a uh, you know, religious place of any kind. I just, that sounds like a great childhood. You were a heathen. <laughs> um, there, was a, there was a kind of a new agey, 1970s Southern California component to my upbringing. There was a lot of astrology and pyramidology and UFOlogy and, you know, a lot of that kind of stuff. Um, I don't, I, I don't know whether you could call that religion. It's all too kind of vague and, and unformed to be religion, but it, it has, there were beliefs, let's say, and, and quite a few of them. Um, so, and there was a lot of, I would say on a, <laughs> on a deep psychological level, there was a lot of dogma that pertained to the family itself. So I didn't grow up completely free to think whatever I wanted, but I, but I did grow up completely free of, of organized religion so that when I kind of found it, when I just sort of turned to it because, because I was interested, because it's just part of our history, right? Because it's part of our culture. Um, so when I did turn to it, I was kind of instantly fascinated by it because it's so dense and it's so strange and if, and it seems so alien to me and it was, it was really fascinating. And before long, it was really funny. So never, you never found it interesting as a belief system though, as a personal meaning to you. Um, as a truth, you know, I had I there were there were, I, there were I had friends who thought that I was gonna that who thought I was gonna become a Christian at a certain point because I was sort of fascinated by it, and I think they thought they misunderstood my fascination, and they thought that I was being drawn towards it, like I want I'm gonna end up believing that, but it, it was never really that. It was just really interesting to me because I remember this John Updike quote. I think it was John Updike, where, where he said something that just struck with me because I just thought it was fascinating. He said, if you, if you were an alien from another planet and you came and you observed life on Earth and you watched people in a restaurant, you'd understand what they were doing. And if you watched people in a store, you'd understand what they were doing. And if you watched people at a sporting event, you'd probably understand what they were doing. And you'd understand mainly, even, even at, a, at a museum, you probably could figure out what they were doing. And then if you saw them in a church you would have no idea what they were doing. You just wouldn't get what they were doing. You wouldn't grasp what they were doing. There's just something strange about it that I think we sort of lose sight of. Or, or it's, it's strange to me because I didn't grow up in it. Very strange to me. Kind of like very alien to me. And oh, no, I, I get the allure of it. I mean, that, that's what I studied in college, essentially, was just mythologies because I just found them all so fascinating. <clears throat> yeah. Uh, growing up Christian, though, I didn't it was kind of old hat for me, so. Right, right. It wouldn't have the same kind of fascination because you you just, you grow up in it, right? Did you ever consider Mormonism? <laughs> yeah. Because, because yeah. that one's true. <laughs> no, that one actually is true. <laughs> that pretty obviously is true because yeah. if you read the Book of Mormon, I think by the time you're done, you, how can you argue with it? I okay. mean, it's, it's not be converted. 
Why How don't people get irrefutable? <laughs> I don't know. It's baffling. You know, it's clearly the truth. Um, yeah, that's a great one. The Book of Mormon's great because I always think of it as kind of like the you know the the idiot cousin of the religions. You know, it's so dumb. It's so incredibly dumb. Uh, it that book is so oh. bad. It, well, I just, just love how God just fucked over the world until the 1800s. And then finally came out with the truth. Well, he came out with the truth met with Jesus, but then it was rapidly lost until the 1800s. Oh, those fools. Yeah, oh. but kind of kind of the big truth. Yeah. I mean, the, the biggest truth did have to wait <laughs> until, you know, conveniently, Joseph Smith just happened to grow up right near the Hill Cumorah. And, you know, huh, what do you know? There's, there's those plates. Yeah, that's a great one. That book's great. I mean, Mark Twain's takedown of the Book of Mormon in Roughing It is just, man, you can't beat it. For just a, a comedic takedown of religion, it's awesome. Yeah, it, what's so funny is, is how obvious it is when you're outside of the religion, and unfortunately when you're inside of the religion, how obvious it is how true the religion is. I guess. I, how I've, can you guys not see how true this is? I guess so. I mean, I've yet to, I mean, a number of times while I was writing this book, I just found myself thinking like, how can this, how can anyone (laughs) believe this? This is, how can you believe this? This is so ludicrous. Um, I think there's a lot of cherry picking that goes on. I think humans are very good at kind of picking out, well, I'll take that and that and that and that and that, and I'll just ignore the rest. And furthermore, it works. That's all. It doesn't matter whether it's true. It makes no difference. I mean, ultimately, it just makes no difference. That's not the point. It's like it works on some deep psychological level, apparently, or so they think. Right. It it fulfills some sort of explanatory or or comfort yeah. need, and the rest of it doesn't matter. You're right. I don't. Th- I don't think so. I think it's all just kind of like. A, it's all just a pretext for getting to things that are very important for people like community and a sense of alleviation of fear of, of, of non-existence and a sense of justice and fairness and, you know, all those kinds of things. How do you, how do you treat those things? Um, this, this book is so funny because <clears throat> it's almost written from an apologist's perspective. Like you've incorporated a lot of their explanations for why this would be with a supreme being. And it, it, reading it like that, like it, this was how it was meant from the beginning, is absolutely right. ludicrous. Yeah, I wanted to try to, the, the sort of the premise of the book was, it's all true. I'm right. not going to question anything. It's all true. Everything, every word in this book is absolutely true. So given that that's the case, how do you make sense of it? Who is this guy? It's such a crazy plan. I mean, if it's all true, it's such a crazy and, and even kind of stupid plan at times that what's the logic of it? What, you know, why does it go the way it goes? Right. You should have just uh, released it as uh, the Bible, uh, the new international King James <laughs> translation, right? Just as separate. Because this, the modern translation, because it is, it is like reading the Bible uh, with your glasses off for the first time. <laughs> Thanks. Good. Like, that's, if, what I, that's what I wanted. If you don't mind, I'd like to read a little part of it. Because we've covered this particular section before because it's absolutely so balls out ridiculous but you know you kind of read this in the in the beautiful king james language and you you don't get a sense for a while or you just skip it right 
it's about Moses. So they've they met each other. God and Moses, he thinks, okay, this is I want to be friends with this guy. And it, it, it says, their friendship had gotten off to a very rocky start. Moses had not cut off his own son's foreskin as God had demanded, and God was furious about it. I like Moses very much, but that foreskin of his son's has to go, he had thought. God hated foreskins. My biggest mistake, he had called them. I should send Moses a message, God had thought. Get your son circumcised immediately. Yes, that was the obvious thing for him to do. But then God shook his head violently. No, I'm going to kill Moses, he suddenly decided. I like him, and I want to be friends with him. This foreskin thing is too much. I'm going to beat him to death with my bare hands. I mean, that is literally what it says in the fucking Bible. That's one of the craziest, most beautiful. When I when I was first reading through it, I I literally just stopped and I had to read it several times and I just laughed out loud. It's like what what what? God just meets Moses in the desert and just attacks him and starts beating him. What the fuck? This is cra- and this is Moses. This is like the guy who's gonna you know, shape the entire, be the leader of his people for the next, whatever, lots of years. It's crazy. And then, and then even this, the kind of the, uh, solution to, or the end of the fight only occurs because Moses's wife, Zipporah or Zipporah rushes out and circumcises their child right there and then rubs the blood on Moses and says, now you are truly a bridegroom of blood. I was like, Whoa, oh, come on. Are you, what the fuck kind of voodoo shit is this? What that, are we, t- you know, God, I think, leaves at that point because he's so freaked out by Zipporah. Yeah, he has no idea how uh, she divined from inside her tent no. uh, his intention there, why he was strangling Moses to death. <laughs> But yes. somehow she telepathically gets it, cuts the foreskin off, wipes it on his leg. Oh, okay, there you go. There so you God, go. God kind of zips up to with a sharp With a sharp rock, by the way. <laughs> a sharp rock. Yeah. Oh, no, it's beautiful. It's, it's just such great sound comedy. It's just, it's great. So out of curiosity, would, I'm sorry to just take a tack here for a second, but uh, would you call yourself an atheist or would you call yourself a nun or a don't care or just find it interesting? Oh, no, I care. I I definitely wouldn't call myself an agnostic because that seems kind of feeble to me. Like, well, right. Of course, we don't know. Jesus, that's just. Yeah, I've always said, just make a choice. (laughs) Yeah, really. I mean, that's just weak. You know, those are like the people like the day before the presidential election who are undecided. It's like, are you kidding? Right. Come on. (laughs) What are you waiting for? Who are you people? (laughs) What is wrong with you? Just make a decision. Um, Yeah, I think I'm probably an atheist. Um, yeah, sure. I mean, I don't believe any of this stuff. I don't believe any of it. I don't believe in any God. Right. I don't believe in any gods of any kind. So I guess that's the definition of an atheist. I certainly don't believe in the Christian God or the, you know, Islamic God. I don't believe in that guy. And hey, I, nor do I believe in any of the, the wait, Eastern wait. gods. I don't believe in any of them. I don't believe in any of it. Back to Mormonism. What about Back Mormon to Mormonism. God? Always back Except to Except for that one. What about the Mormon God? <laughs> yeah, well, but don't you think I, when you die, you're going to become a god yourself and marry, you know, a billion women and have a bunch of spiritual children and have planets of your own? I would like to think so. What? Yes. <laughs> What's crazy about that? Nothing. Nothing. I mean, That's that one actually is, is pretty simple and straightforward. You know? A billion, Chuck? Is uh, that right? Yeah, I don't know. It, you just keep <laughs> adding to your power and glory. Uh, I love it in the uh, Doctrine and Covenants when God commands Joseph Smith to take more wives. I yeah, love that. I good. just love that that's he has great. God t- demanding 
that he take more wives. He's just like, oh, I don't want to. Don't make me. Yeah. Don't make me. You must take that young woman as your. Oh my Not God, only that, but he enters into like a personal disagreement between Joseph Smith and and his wife Emma to say, Emma, uh, if you take any men, I will destroy you. <laughs> yeah. By yeah, the way, you know, <laughs> this isn't for everybody. <laughs> no, I mean the the gall of these guys, these Joseph Smith um, Muhammads of history, and there's not, there's only a few because it's a really hard thing to pull off. I mean, you've yeah. got to just be so audacious and so brazen, and so, have such monumental balls oh, to yeah. pull this move off and have people believe it. It's unbel- It's like, are you kidding? This is so self serving. This is also do it with a straight face. That's a big question. You know, with Joseph Smith is a great, interesting one because it's not so long ago that he's like in the shrouds of history. I mean, we kind of know who Joseph – we know he was a con man. We know that he was uh, a digger, you know. We know that he was a fraud. And so did he know he was a fraud the whole time or did he start to believe his own story? It seems like he actually started to believe his own story. It seems like that's what happened, but it's hard to know. Yeah, toward the end where he uh, <clears throat> names himself general of the army and starts running for president, yeah. I think he's probably uh, swallowed all the Kool-Aid. He probably he has. And when you have everybody reflecting back on you, like how amazing you are and, and, and validating your story. And apparently Joseph Smith was a spectacularly charismatic human being. I mean, tall and handsome and smart and, and, and actually funny and, and just like riveting in a way. And that probably helps. Yeah. That's what, that's what really gets me about Mormonism in here is that it was so in the recent past right. and people believe this. I, I understand small groups, you know, fringe groups, things like, you know, Jim Jones or the, or the people that kill themselves because they thought the flying saucer was behind the comet or whatever. But for millions and millions of people to buy this, yeah, it just what, you know, amazes me. The, most of the growth, I think, in Mormonism is coming from not their missionary efforts, but from the large families that they recommend. But what kills me is people as adults, like Glenn Beck, looking around for a religion and thinking, oh, Mormonism. God, that makes a lot of sense. Glenn Beck converted to Mormonism? He did. Oh, yeah. Well, that says everything about Glenn Beck, doesn't it? I mean, <laughs> That's there you pretty go. much all you need to know, yeah. Yeah, I mean, Mormonism... Well, he, he needed something. I mean, he had issues, didn't he? he wasn't he an yeah, alcoholic? And yeah. He had big Yeah, he problems. seems like a guy who's right on the brink of total emotional collapse at every moment. <laughs> I mean, that's what he feels like. like. He's just going to implode. He's a nut job. He really is. But the thing about Mormonism, I think, is like, again, it doesn't matter whether it's true. That's not the point. I don't think most of the believers um, read the Book of Mormon. I don't think they do. I think it just, it works. It's like, follow those rules, and you can live a life that, can, you know, you'll have a community, and you'll be, you'll make, you'll make decent money, and you'll be sober, and you'll salt money away, and you'll be reasonably healthy, and you're, you know, all of that. It just, it kind of works. The ludicrous beliefs at the center notwithstanding the community here for mormonism is pretty i mean it's part of the deal but it's kind of weird it goes it goes a little too far sometimes with uh members because they have that trust between each other cheating each other <laughs> out oh, yeah. of money or scamming them oh yeah um, do they neighbor uh, yeah oh, yeah yeah get rich, neighborhoods uh, get rich quick schemes are huge in utah and i think utah uh, has the number home one of the lmn the bankruptcy L- the rate. mlm in the nation. Uh, but they're just falling after their founder. Uh, they sure are. 
Oh, they totally are. They totally are. Doesn't he, at some points in the Doctrine and Covenant, you know, to have God tell people to give him more money? Isn't that one of the yeah. kind of commands from God? He's, he started a bank, too, and, <laughs> and everyone put there. And I believe he would have people go down into the basement, and they've put, like, a thin veneer of gold coins in the chest to make it look like it was full, but the rest of it was filled with dirt. <laughs> uh, they were outsmarting Joseph Smith, then. So, no, that was Joseph's idea. Oh, that's... He brought him down himself. and said, here, invest in the bank, and, you know... I don't want to spoil See it for you, but the bank <laughs> failed miserably. Oh, wow. You're not talking about one. Zion's bank. I'm not talking about, no, the Kirtland Bank. Oh. They had their own notes. You know, it wasn't like today where you have federal money. It was all, like, issued by local banks. So, But in order to buy the notes, you had to have faith in the bank, and they didn't have any money. But, so, yeah, a lot of Mormons lost a lot of money, and I think they lost a lot of membership over that, too. But, uh, you know, this stuff rebounds. It's just a test of your faith. Everything is. Yeah. Everything is. It's always God just sort of testing, you know, do you, do you really, really believe? And, uh, and when you doubt, that's Satan pulling you away. Doubt yes. is, I mean, exactly. I would say the gigantic flaw in, well, there's a bunch. One of the gigantic flaws in religion is that they take something really great in, in the human mind, and that is doubt. They take skepticism, and they take um, uncertainty. Which is a great, great thing. I mean, it allows us to explore. It allows us to like dig into things and turn things over and and ask good questions. And they turn that into a basically a sin. Doubt's bad. Doubt's a terrible thing. If you doubt, it means you're weak, and it means you might be evil. And they're going to pay for that one long term. You know, I think they are paying for it. They're they're going to pay for. That's a gigantic mistake um, in the, in the long term. Because yeah. because doubt is our friend, not our enemy. Right. I think uh, the the explosive rise of the nuns and the frustration I think with the youth uh, going forward with church. One, it, church is boring as shit, and so yeah, uh, it's yeah. hard to get young people once they get out of their parents' grasp to go to church voluntarily. <laughs> I, mean, I never would have done it unless unless you got one of those rock pastors, John. But. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, those guys, they make it cool, man. Yeah. Right. Play some yeah. cool Christian rock. Yeah. <laughs> With the rap that and the striper. Christian rock, yeah. Oh, I probably would have gone to a church like that when I was in. <laughs> <laughs> the second is that, uh, yeah, doubt is a, is a virtue, and it's responsible, I think, for the success of science, is that you're skeptical and you're doubting and really uh, controlling our, our cognitive biases and trying to check each other. Uh, is the only way we've gotten any reliable knowledge. And uh, religion has completely failed in giving us any sort of reliable knowledge. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, certainty is a very, very poor strategy for uh, society to have. Because on what basis? Like, where, where, like, how, how are you so certain that you're right? And I will say from a comedic standpoint, it's a complete disaster. It's why they're so unfunny. Because doubt and uncertainty and turning things over, it's essential to laughter and play and being open to change and being enjoying surprise, enjoying being surprised, not believing that you know the absolute truth about things is, is essential to a good sense of humor. And so they're, they're completely fucked in that regard. It's why it's, they seem so square. 
They right. seem so repressed. Right. They seem so constricted. They almost like I notice when I listen to a lot of Christian uh, Christians on the radio, they almost talk like this from like from their throat. You know, like they're so pinched and constricted <laughs> as human beings that it's like it's just normal their vocal cords and 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 also they want to sound like they're so happy and they're just everything's so great because you know, the creator of the universe is their friend and it's it would be terrible to not sound happy and they're trying to you know convince everyone how happy they are and so they do this bizarre thing to themselves and they distort themselves and it's turn the themselves anus. into these weird creatures yeah yeah the anus is so tight <laughs> it does that right, to you exactly right exactly and i've got to assume i don't really give a shit but i've got to assume they have really bad sex too well it's funny you can't you can't really give that honest inquiry into religion if you have that conversation you'll end up with a bible that is essentially the book you've written and no one's going to believe that except except i wouldn't be surprised if you if you got a cult following out of your book that held it up as gospel yeah why don't you start your, start your own religion seriously that's what I think I should do. I, I think I, I think I'm I must be a prophet of some sort. I think that must be the case. Yeah, let That's me help you out. You got some. Uh, you dug up some plates out of the ground with this story. Yeah, in it. yeah, yeah. Uh, they just weirdly happened to be in my backyard. I, it's just somebody knew a couple of thousand years ago. They knew to put them there. And actually, the uh, um, the Nephites they made a visit here smith was wrong actually <laughs> moroni came and talked to me and uh, actually the last plates were left here so how about that i you know i would say that if uh you want to read the bible but don't want to read uh all that boring uh shitty king james or even the new international version even the modern translations aren't nearly as good as this one uh, read the story of God. It's uh, it, it, as you read it, it has little references right in the text themselves. So you can, you know, that is impossible. That is not in the fucking Bible. And it'll say like Genesis one, you know, one through six. You go back and read it, and it's exactly what you've written. It, it, it absolutely makes no sense whatsoever. But there it is. Yeah, the chapter and verse was meant to mirror back. Like here it is. Here it is, guys. Here's your book. This is your book. Right. I'm just holding it up. And that chapter and verse usually comes after you're like, what in the fuck am I reading? And then there's the parenthesis that shows exactly where it is. Well done. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Matt, I think you've dropped off the face of the earth. No, I'm still here. Oh, okay. I'm right here. (laughs) Well, um, just I I can't remember if we answered this really completely, but what what was your your goal with writing this book? Was it it more of a kind of a philosophical, I can't even say that word. Yeah, what about making fun of God and religion makes you happy and fulfilled? <laughs> um, that's a big question, actually. Uh, I think it's the ultimate emperor's new clothes on the planet. And I think that we are supposed to treat it deferentially. And we're supposed to treat it sort of um, respectfully. And it's like, it's off limits. They try to make it off limits. They try to basically say... Um, this shouldn't be made fun of, you know, this is like, you can't, you, you know, I, 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 to me, it's like you get in a fight with somebody and they're like, you can't see that spot. You can't hit me there. That's, you can't hit me there. That's not allowed it to, and my response is like, well, who says, um, why, why should I, um, do what you say? And nothing's off limits. And thank you for pointing out where you're incredibly vulnerable, 
I think I must just by nature be kind of an iconoclast because if something is set up as absolute truth, if something positions itself as absolute truth, you know, capital A, capital T, this is it, doors closed, it's all done, do not question this, do not question this, then I'm going to want to knock it over. It's just something in me and why that, it, it pertains to my childhood it pertains to my relationship with my father my mother it pertains to things that are just presumably in my dna i have things that i don't even really fully understand but it also pertains to a desire to laugh i like to play i like to make fun of stuff and when something says you may not make fun of me well, of course, that's exactly what I want to make fun of, right? I mean, things that allow themselves oh, yeah. to be made fun of, things that are good-natured, things that will just sort of allow themselves to be teased. Humans who can be teased, you know, I, I mean, I like them. I mean, they're, you can play. You can kind of interact. You can kind of deflate each other a little bit. But humans are very prone to get overinflated. Humans are very prone to getting bombastic and overblown and super pompous. And religion is the ultimate version of that. And monotheism is the ultimate, ultimate version of that. This is absolute truth. Everybody else is wrong. That needs to be deflated, and, and I want to deflate oh, yeah. it. And, and furthermore, their belief is, you know, we're supposed to treat them respectfully, but they have no problem basically sentencing us to eternal damnation simply for disagreeing with them. I mean, that's their story. Like, we don't think anything different is going to happen to them that's going to happen to us, right? We're just going to die, that's all. But they think we're going to be punished forever, forever, not a year or a hundred years or even a million years, no, eternally, for disagreeing with them. So to me, it's like, all right, game on, you know? Here you go, right back at you. Yeah, it's, it's amazing how much... Uh undeserved respect they think they actually deserve. Uh, we were talking about this a while ago, just in getting handouts. Um, I, I received a handout from a lady. Uh, it was just some uh, Christian track about death and what happens afterwards. And, you know, I'm supposed to just take that. And if I say anything, I'm the dick in that situation. <laughs> but if I, I walked around handing out my little atheist tracks, you know, I, people would seriously get angry yeah. with me, you know? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, no, it's very, it's very one-sided. You know, we're supposed to just kind of nod and like, oh, that, you know, they're, they're just trying to do good they're, because they wrap themselves in this cloak of beneficence. Yeah, and, it's like, yeah, um, be respectful, be nice. Yeah. Like, they're not being nice. Why do I have to be the one being nice? Like, the funniest thing about this book is that you're not even, it seems like you're not even actively trying to make fun of them. You're just telling the story as it is and maybe highlighting the really crazy shit, but the crazy shit's already there. You're not changing anything. It kind of reminded me of, uh, did you watch the Republican debate where Ted Cruz got all angry about the moderators? Sure. And uh, the moderators were just asking them actual questions about their policy. Right. And if, <laughs> I mean, if actual rational questions about your policy you take as insult, then perhaps the policy itself might need to be thought over again. You know, yeah. if if we're just asking you normal questions, and it seems like this book is just saying what's in the Bible. You haven't introduced any new stuff in the book, right? It is just a retelling of what's in the Bible from an omnipotent God's perspective, right? Here's here's what I was thinking when this happened. Yeah, you know, if, if anything, 
um, because I didn't want the book to feel snarky because I really just despise snark. I think snark's just such a horrible style of comedy. I really, that kind of shooting fish in a barrel, making fun of shit. I, I, I just don't like that. So in order to oh, not you, have the book, you might read not like want to that. listen to our show. <laughs> oh, well, yeah, I don't know. Oh, different just, varieties of, of snark. He just know? condemned uh, our entire catalog. <laughs> oh, shit. Sorry. I don't know so, if we're snark. Are we snark? I thought we were parody. Matt, we are the highest version of snark. Oh. <laughs> well, anyway, <laughs> I wanted to, I felt it was important for me to come to an emotional sort of understanding of the character and not just mock him. And so at a certain point I thought, Oh wow, this is, there's a sad part to this too. This is a really horrible kind of nightmarish position to be put in for a character who really reads like a human being. And if you stick a human being in this situation with no mother, no father, no friends, no siblings, no nothing, an enemy, basically an enemy and a bunch of toadies, (laughs) <laughs> that's just going to be for eternal for eternity. That's brutal. You know, that's a very lonely, horrible, loveless existence. And so beyond kind of just reflecting back, I wanted to try to f- find a little bit of uh, empathy, I guess, for the character. So I hope there's that too. Um, I'm not opposed to all snark. Look, there's good snark and there's bad snark, you know, but there's a lot of bad snark, I would say. We, we are, uh, I think, the worst form of snark, unfortunately. <laughs> oh. Okay. Well, it's very honest of you to say that, I think. <laughs> when you're being well snarky just to be snarky, yeah, it can kind of fail. If there's no thought behind it, if it's just simply somebody going, meh, you know. Um, the, yeah, there's cheap versions of it and there's yeah. – um, deeper versions of it now chuck actually does provide like an intellectual honesty to the snark of the show i'm mostly the bad kind of snark because <laughs> kind of an idiot but. <laughs> uh that does bring up a question how did you hear about us um you know the world wide web guys you know i was just sort of cruising around looking at different um podcasts <laughs> that pertain to um, atheism, and there you are. Yeah, we're we're definitely the right one for this book. This is a it's a great book, uh, but the vast majority of of people we've had on here have never listened to us. Do you fit in that category? I'm afraid I do. Uh-huh. I'm so sorry. I knew it. <laughs> one, one of these days, Matt, we're going to have someone on who's actually listened to the show before. <laughs> Look, Chris, I saw Bill and Ted's. Okay, a couple times. Yeah, pretty sure. I'm I'm ashamed. <laughs> I could have lied, I guess. And yeah, hell yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but then well, we what have was a your favorite episode. Yeah, exactly. We got a <laughs> yeah, list right. of, list would, of questions. I, I think I would have I would have gotten busted pretty fast. <laughs> I, I don't know. Oh, you know, this show, all of them. So. Shit, all of them. <laughs> They're all good. I love that. It's the say Sarah Palin response. Oh, you know, <laughs> yeah, all, this is all of them. Yeah, any any to, which pick one. <laughs> God, just go Sarah Palin. Yeah, that's my default move. Go Sarah Palin. <laughs> yeah. Which magazines do you read, Chris? Uh, <laughs> all of them. You know, any of them. I like them every, all. Really, every single one. Yeah, everyone. I just all. wish Katie Couric would have said something like, "Really, you read uh, Dwarf Pygmy uh, Hooters? Um, <laughs> you read that one?" Yeah, that was the logical follow-up question to ask, guys. <laughs> too bad she didn't 
apparently Sarah Palin just acknowledged that she, that 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 was a fair question and that she gave a stupid answer. So that's shocking, hey. right? Hey, she, yeah. How about that? Whoa. It's growth. The clouds have broken and reality has shined through. <laughs> Probably not, but it's just a weird little glimpse of something. <laughs> yeah, no, it'll go away. She'll quickly cover it up. I didn't mean it. I didn't mean it. That was Satan talking. Yeah, I think the current crop of uh, Republican angst, uh, you can trace back to Sarah Palin with the gotcha questions, right? Oh, it's just a gotcha question. Yeah. I don't know what they're going to do. I don't, you know, it's sometimes you kind of go, shit, are they actually going to nominate Trump? And right. Well, are. You know, the in the last election, they had all all the nut jobs changing places for a while, and then they eventually settled on like a quote unquote, safe choice. So yeah. I'm I'm kind of was waiting for that, but but Trump and Carson are sticking around for a while. They it's, just keep pulling really well, right? And so and now it's like mid November. We're just not that far out anymore, right? So like you know, what if Carson wins Iowa and Trump wins New Hampshire and wins South Carolina? Then what? I mean, like it's, it's it, interesting. The, momentum. the Republican nominate that this process seems to, and the mindset is fairly similar to religion because I think what happens with these guys, they're like, okay, we we went for the electable candidate in in 2012, and uh, we got our asses handed to us. So maybe the problem is we're not conservative enough. Right. We need yeah, to go. That- for the crazy candidate this time. Right. Well, that's their crazy fantasy. Candidate. That's why Ron, that's why Ronald Reagan looms so large because right. they went hard, they went hard right yeah. and it worked. And so they really hold, I mean, he's their, you know, he's their savior, you know, it's the great St. Ronald Reagan and they just want to duplicate that. But see, that's um, the same thing too. They, their memories of Ronald Reagan, he would be like a, like a moderate Democrat yeah. right now. <laughs> He I know it's taxes. crazy. Their party has moved so far right that Nixon would now be a Democrat. Right. <laughs> Nixon. And uh, Reagan would be more of a centrist Republican. He'd still be a Republican, I think, but not, you know, he'd nowhere near as far right as like, well, I mean, Ted Cruz is just so far right. to the right that it's like, my God, that party's drifted far. But they they seem to just be kind of, they're, they're becoming the the um, party of like stop change stop change right. do not accept change and you know good luck with that they might win a few more elections but long term that's that's another really bad strategy because change happens yeah they're gerrymandering the districts i think which is responsible for people like Cruz, who are totally yeah. safe and so uh, they Yellow. don't worry about saying anything because they're they would elect a fucking ferret in his district but on the national stage, as long as he was a Republican ferret, <laughs> yeah. Not as long as he had a ferret, he was a male ferret and Republican, right? And straight too, and right? straight, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> or at least and 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 accepted Jesus Christ as his <laughs> Lord and Savior. That's rather important as right. well. You have to at least pass for straight and accept Jesus. Yeah, at least pass right. for straight. Yeah, and yeah, at least yeah. pretend that you love Jesus. <laughs> and uh, yeah. but you know, I don't know who is advising Cruz that. Uh, he has a one chance in hell outside of Texas. I mean, he may win a couple of the southern states, but Jesus Christ, it would be a landslide. It doesn't matter who the Democrat is. I think Bernie Sanders could beat Ted Cruz. Probably. Yeah, he's 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 just way, way further to the right than 
than than the country is. And I, I read somebody who described him, I thought really well. He said, I've rarely seen a candidate who was simultaneously so impressive and so repulsive. Because he really is kind of both. I mean, you, you just can't not notice how he's shrewd, you know, he's yeah. smart, he's very skillful, and he's utterly grotesque. Yeah. You know, he's so icky he's so kind of i mean scott walker repulsed me the most so i was happy to see him go because his faux sort of normalcy i'm just a normal guy doesn't oh my god scott walker was like every man i've ever hated in my life rolled into one thing you know (laughs) ted cruz just gives me the creeps he just like makes my hair on my back sounds like yeah it's god he's gross every time he talks he's oily he's around because his speaking voice makes mine sound fantastic <laughs> <laughs> and his eyebrows really, his voice and his eyebrows they always kind of scrunch up when he's trying to look like he's determined yeah he's right he's he's unctuous i yeah. think yeah so um what what's in the works for you right now what have you got going on past this book um well we're you know getting pretty close to uh bill and ted part three so that's that's oh coming. that's not a joke oh i was making a joke mm. That's really a no, thing? no, no. That's not a joke. No, we're 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 closing in on uh, kind of having a deal to make the movie. So that's you know. I mean, we've written it already. Hang we've on a second. It. Is Jesus in this one? <laughs> yeah, of course. Okay, it's, good. You know, you you basically I'm sniffed out it. the plot. <laughs> they, they pull him off the cross. <laughs> I'm seeing Jesus. it. I would love for them to pull him off the cross to take him to the to the high school presentation, but then they have to yeah. return him later. <laughs> yeah. They got to okay, nail him Jesus back would, up on the cross. I guess that would be Bill and Ted having to nail him, but Jesus, we're very sorry to have to do this. Yeah. <laughs> bang, bang, bang. <laughs> Dude, we're totally crucifying Jesus. <laughs> I'd see that movie. I would, uh, I'd see that 3D. twice. I'd see it in IMAX. Yeah, no, it's going to be, it's going to be great. Um, yeah, so that and then just another, you know, next book, basically. Unfortunately, you can't get Carlin back in it, which makes me sad. Yeah, that's too bad, huh? That's uh, that's too bad. He's yeah. Like, you can probably use his corpse, though. Is that legal? Um, yeah, we're looking into the legality of that. Is, <laughs> is it all right to dig up his corpse and you do stop-motion animation with it? I bet or he would Or some approve. sort of CGI puppetry. George would approve. Right. Was, what does he sure, care? Oh, He's sure. dead. Oh, sure he would. No, we've we've kind of like had a psych, you know, a kind of a uh, a reading, a psychic reading, and okay. his spirit has told us that it's completely fine That's to good use enough. his skeleton to use his skeleton um, for, <laughs> for, for for certain scenes. But That's he wants to be enough. paid. He's ask, actually demanding a pretty penny for that. So. <laughs> <laughs> that bastard. He sold out. Finally sold out. Yeah, you know, it's just starring. Keanu Reeves, Alex Winter, and George Carlin's skeleton. And the corpse of George Carlin. <laughs> That's another way of describing it. And the corpse that of George Carlin. Four. <laughs> well, that's great news. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. It'll be, it'll be fun. Bill and Ted 3, uh, Golgotha, I guess? Yeah. Oh, is, is that? It, the yeah, top? it's going to oh. Or is it Cav- Cavalry? Calvary? Well, we're debating. It's one of those. <laughs> we want the, the most moving and powerful. Party at um, Calvary. Yeah, or this, or it might just be called the Gospel of Bill and Ted. Yes, the Gospel according to Bill and Ted. Mm-hmm. That's perfect. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
You can have kind of a Life of Brian thing where uh, Bill and Ted get thrown back in there and get mistaken for Jesus. Thus disrupting the, the, Christianity. The two of them, kind of as a team, get right. mistaken for yes, Jesus. Those exactly. two guys together represent Jesus. <laughs> How's it going? We're Jesus. Yeah, they just describe themselves. <laughs> the saviors. Who's Which one of you? No, we're both Jesus. Both. <laughs> yeah. Both. It's yeah. too big a job for one man. So, with that, I probably can't give it away too much, but it's going to be them as adults now, I guess. Growing yeah, up. yeah. So yeah, just don't yeah, make yeah. that uh, Dumb and Dumber 2 mistake. I don't know what, what happened. I didn't with... even see it. What did oh, they do? don't see it. No, no. I, hear, I oh. hear it's not great. Oh, you know, the first one was stupid, but it's kind of like it's so it works in the way that it's so stupid. It's funny. At least it yeah, did for me. Yeah, it's um, kind of funny. The, the, the sequel was except for, I think, the first gag in the first minute of the movie was uh-huh. just it was so painful to watch. These two aging actors trying to trying to take on this role they used to that they had, you know, just however what was it twenty years ago or so, right? right or right. oh, it was and, actually Chris. I dare you to watch that movie and uh, clock how long you can make into it. I think <laughs> I, I made I, it an hour. Yeah, I got an hour. Yeah, I think I stopped just short of the first hour. You know, I saw the trailer and just watching the trailer. You know, it's not a good thing when you're seeing the trailer for a comedy. And there's no jokes you like because you can really cherry pick out the best jokes. So when there's like not one good joke or from my standpoint, not one good joke was like, I don't think I'm going to like this. Yeah. I don't think I'm going to find this funny. It was hard to watch. They kind of put all the best jokes in the trailer. (laughs) Wow. Well, if that's true, then I'm definitely not going to like it because I definitely did not laugh at the at the trailer. So, um, yeah, hopefully, um, I, I, we're kind of going for a different thing than, um, dumb and dumber two, I believe we're kind of, it's a, it's a different kind of deal we're working on. So, but we'll see. I'm looking forward to it. Right on. Yeah. Good. Well, Hey, uh, thanks for coming on the show. Really great having you. It was, it was my pleasure. Thanks for, thanks for having me go out by the story of God right now. Read it. Then you can say you read the Bible. Oh, by the way, it's also it's available on uh, Audible now too. So if anybody wants to hear me read the book, well, you you actually read the book. I did. I read the book, and if you wanted to get a little preview of that, you could go to YouTube Story of God, Chris Matheson. You could read the first chapter if you wanted to. Do you do a little Bill and Ted impression every time God speaks? I yeah, I do the whole. I do God. I always do God as uh, as Bill or Ted. How's it going, Jesus? How's it going, (laughs) Sid? I will buy the hell out of that book. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. No, he's he's not nearly as nice as Bill or Ted. He, he's he's mean. He's the meanest man in town. He, he is kind of a bastard. I love what oh. his thought process. But he's like, he just gets sick of humans. I'm like, well, they live too long. They've got that foreskin. Uh, they're having sex with angels. Fuck it. I'm flooding the whole world. I'm killing. Yeah. Them. Yeah. No, he he doesn't like people. <laughs> <laughs> he really doesn't like anybody. He's, he's down on mankind. That's what, I love the part about the commandments where he says. Let's see, number one, don't worship anybody else than me. That's, that should really be it. Like, <laughs> that's all you need. That's all he cares about. You know, he's just obsessed with, the, you know, there's so many good kind of unstated jokes. So one of the great unstated jokes is he's completely obsessed with what we think of him. He's just like that yeah. just drives him to distraction, what we think of him. And it's he's just. And he's insecure, and I loved oh, yeah. I loved how that came through in your version. He's always just kind of like, 
oh god, I guess I guess I need to do more or less. I don't know. What's wrong oh, with these super, people? Why don't they love me? Oh well, there's moments where he just breaks down and get, he's like the maudlin drunk, you know. When you get to the prophets, and he's just might as well be crying in his beer. Like, why don't you love me? Why? What did I do? Why don't you? Why aren't you nicer to me? It's he just wants somebody to slap, bitch slap him, you know. It's just like yeah. snap out of it, man. You you created this. God, it, it, it really gets to this to the point that if if Christianity is true and God's real, we're ruled by just an insane psychopath you know just yeah just yeah an insane kind of yeah that he's so pathetic and sort of needy and um yeah i think he right if 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 it's true then then he's mentally ill pretty yeah. obviously yeah and mean super mean but but super mean because there's something just wrong with him yeah. And, you know, you get, it goes back to David Hume, you know, those great David Hume questions where it's like, well, how do you know God's not dead? How do you know God's not a baby God and made his first universe and this is it? How do you know that it's not a defect, you know, kind of, he, I think he does say, how do you know God's, there's not something wrong with God and then other, other right, gods yeah. are laughing at this God. How do you <laughs> know any of that stuff? It's like the, uh, that old classic Star Trek episode. What was that one, Chuck? Where, uh. The God is just some child, and, and his right. parents show up later at the end. Stop right. playing with them, you know. Is that the cat's paw? Is that, is the that what it where is? Where he stuck the Enterprise in this tiny little cube or something? Like yeah. That? There's so many like uh, godlike robots and godlike aliens. It's hard to tell the difference between them. Yeah, they make that move a lot. They yeah. they, they, def- <laughs> they definitely do that thing quite a bit. Oh Lord, uh, but yeah, okay. Story of God. Buy it on. Amazon, I think. I would it's say Amazon's Amazon. Amazon's probably the quickest and easy. I mean, I know it's in some bookstores, but I don't know exactly. You can get the Kindle version. You can the get the Kindle version, the Audible version, or the hardcover. Yeah, right on. Yeah. Thanks, Chris. And thank uh, you. Just let us know. Drop us an email when uh, uh, Bill and Ted Three gets approved. I will do that. Thank you, gentlemen. Thank right you. On. Thank you. Or maybe I've already got the play. Maybe do a re- <laughs> Jesus. What is wrong with your immune system? <laughs> it's robust. You're it's constantly fighting off shit. Coughing on it's like always at work. Each of the podcasts we've made in the past six months, like all four of them. <laughs>